You ever wonder what it must have been like for Joseph? In Genesis chapter 40, we see Joseph in prison. Now, this is before Joseph interprets two dreams that the Pharaoh has. Joseph has been given two dreams of his own by God in Genesis 37. Sheaves that were bowing down to Joseph's sheave in the dream that he had concerning his 11 brothers. And his brothers asked him, Are we going to bow down to you, Joseph? In a a mocking tone. And then he also had another dream of the sun and the moon and the 11 stars also bowing down to Joseph. And Jacob, his father, asked him, he rebuked him, Joseph, are your mother and I and your 11 brothers really going to bow down to you on the ground? It seems as if his family had the interpretations of his dreams. Joseph, wondering when these things would be, is betrayed by his brothers. They throw him into a well after they do away with the idea, the plot to kill him. And he's eventually sold into Egypt as a slave. He finds himself in Potiphar's house. Ends up being in control of Potiphar's house. And the Lord blesses Joseph there. And Potiphar's whole entire economy is in the hands of Joseph except his wife. And when Potiphar's wife makes advances on Joseph, Joseph refuses and says, How can I do this and sin against God? It's trying to be pleasing to him. And Joseph ends up getting thrown into prison. And there again, God blesses him. But he's still in prison, he's still not free. And he's given the opportunity to interpret two other dreams. And he's again betrayed by a friend, the cupbearer. If you were to look at Joseph's situation, you could come to the conclusion that the dreams that Joseph was given were not going to be fulfilled. And you can definitely, definitely look at the trials and the hardships that he was enduring and say that there's no way that these things are going to bring those dreams to fruition. But yet there's two verses in Genesis 40 that say this. But God was with Joseph. But God was with Joseph. This isn't what I had in mind (laughs) is the title of the message. Because sometimes life is like that, isn't it? You turn around, you look around, you look at the circumstances of life and where you find yourself and where I find myself. And we say, well, this isn't what I had in mind. 
And I just want to use Joseph as an encouragement for you. An encouragement to, as an example, uh, to endure and to have faith and to grow in faith. To know that God hasn't left you and God cares. But we need to bring to the forefront of our mind God's ways. Because sometimes God's ways aren't what we have in mind. In Isaiah 55, starting in verse 6, Isaiah says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so when things don't seem to line up or add up to you, remember that. God's ways are higher than your ways. God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Trust Him. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 77 that His ways are holy. In Psalm 77 in verse 1, My voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and He will hear me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. In verse 11, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember, I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great, like our God. God's ways are holy. God's ways and thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my thoughts. And Joseph knew that. And I pray that you're encouraged to believe that and to know that. Paul tells us, he explains it this way in Romans chapter 11 concerning the gospel. In verse 33 of Romans 11, Paul describes God this way. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who can become his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And so 
this isn't what I had in mind. Joseph may be thinking. Because we find Joseph in prison in Genesis 40. And with God's ways fresh in our minds as a backdrop to Joseph's story, let's proceed. Genesis 40, starting in verse 14. Joseph is in prison. He's there because Potiphar's wife has falsely accused him of having relationship uh, relations with her. He denied that, as we've said. And the cupbearer has had a dream. And if we pay attention, we may find something very practical for us from the life of Joseph. In verse 1, we see this in Genesis 40. Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. The, com- the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, We have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Jesus said to them, uh, sorry, Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Joseph was in prison. He was wrongfully accused. He was there without any fault of his own. And yes, God was with him. And he was put in charge of the people of the other prisoners to take care of them. But he was still in prison. And he wanted to get out. And yet he was still kind. And brothers and sisters, circumstances can shape our character. But circumstances must never determine our character. And if we've gone through this year And we've looked at this situation and said, well, this isn't what I had in mind. And our situation's hard and we encounter some hardships or things don't quite go our way. Be like Joseph. We can still be kind. For some reason, we maybe have lost that kindness towards even our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And just because they may have offended us, uh, just because things aren't going our way, doesn't mean that we can't be kind. Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. One of my favorite passages is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And most of you may know that. And if you don't, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. But the verse before that, verses 3 and 4 say this. Do not let kindness and truth Leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Wear them like a necklace around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you can find good rapport, good repute with God and man. You think God notices kindness? Absolutely. And our circumstances don't determine our character. They may shape our character, but they do not determine it. You know what determines our character? Perseverance. That's what Paul tells the Roman church. We exalt in our tribulation because tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance brings about proven character and proven character brings about what? Hope. John tells us in 1 John 3 that everyone who has this hope fixed on Him, on Jesus... What? Purifies himself. So our character isn't determined by the circumstances. Our character is determined by the hope that we have in Christ. Regardless of the chaos that surrounds us, Joseph was in the midst of it. In a foreign land, falsely accused, a prisoner. But he was still kind and caring. And he still gave glory to God. Notice what he said to the cupbearer. Is it not God who interprets? Do not interpretations belong to God? He was giving God the glory. It wasn't him who was interpreting the dreams. God was giving him the interpretation. He still gave glory to God. And we can do that too, brothers and sisters, in spite of the circumstances we find ourselves in. He still gave God the glory. He also did it before Pharaoh too, as we'll see in Genesis 41. Pharaoh has two dreams of his own. And he has the dreams of the seven cows who were fit and fat. And and the seven cows who were skinny. And the seven skinny cows ate the fat cows. And the uh, grain that was healthy was eventually swallowed up by the grains that were unhealthy. He says, I don't know what this means. The cupbearer finally comes through for Joseph and says, Oh, I remember this man, this young boy, this young man. He can interpret it. He gets brought before Pharaoh, and he says what? The same thing he says to the cupbearer. God is going to be the one who interprets. 
In Habakkuk 3, Habakkuk chapter 3, in verse 17, still giving God the glory through the trial, through the hardship, through 2020. (laughs) Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. See, God is the God of our salvation. And if that's all we have to hope in, is our salvation... And our salvation is so secure because it's in the hands of God through Christ. And that's enough. That's what Habakkuk says. If there's no fruit on the tree, no grape on the vine, I will exult in the Lord because He is the God of my salvation. You realize what you have in being saved from your sin. And the one who's done that is Jesus Christ. The God of my salvation. And if that's all you have in life, we can still give glory to God. Joseph. As we've said before, God was with Joseph. And friend... God wants to be with you through your trials and hardship. He is giving you an opportunity to come to Him. And the promise that is given to Christians in Romans 8.28. For God causes all things to work together for good to those that love Him. And for those who are called according to His purpose. And that promise is for those who love God, not for everybody. And it was true for Joseph. And we'll see that further on as we get towards the end of our Genesis series. But he still gave glory to God. It's God who's going to interpret this. I like to make fun sometimes and say it was the cupbearer, the baker, and the candlestick maker, but there's no candlestick maker in the story. Uh, But there is a cupbearer, and he received good news. (laughs) The baker, no, not so much. The good news for the cupbearer was that he was going to be restored to being a cupbearer. And in verse 14, Joseph asks a favor. He says, only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, cupbearer. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. He doesn't want to be where he is. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. The cupbearer waits about two years. Cupbearer forgets about Joseph. But we can recognize that he still gave God the glory. But what about the dreams Joseph's had? 
What about those dreams all those years ago? Had God fulfilled those dreams yet? No. That his father and mother and brothers would bow down to him on the ground? How could Joseph remain so loyal to God? By being kind and knowing God is pleased with kindness. By giving God the glory even though his dreams hadn't been fulfilled. How could he do that? Well, he still believed God's word was true. And it was true for him. He interprets the dream of the baker. And it's not a good, it's not good news. When the chief baker, verse 16, saw that he had interpreted favorably, he asked Joseph, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head, and in the top basket there was some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh off of you. Well, that's a wonderful... Thank you, Joseph. Joseph didn't say it as if it was a possibility. Notice that. Joseph interpreted and said, it is going to happen. In three more days, this is what's going to happen to you. He believed God's word to be true. Now, he could have tried to hedge his bets, couldn't he? I mean, he had already given a favorable interpretation to the cupbearer. Why not the baker? This way you have two men out there on your side. But he was interpreting what God had given him to interpret. Joseph trusted that what God's word said was going to come to pass. Even if he hadn't realized his own dream, he believed it. Think about his history. Think of where Joseph has come from. Joseph was given two dreams. Pharaoh was given two dreams. Joseph gets thrown into a well by his own brothers. And they sit down to have a meal. He gets sold as a slave. Trying to please God, he gets thrown into prison. His uh, cupbearer, the cupbearer that he helps and gives him a favorable interpretation because that's what God gave to him, forgets him. And yet he still believes that what God has said is going to come to pass. Do you believe that? Do you believe that what God says is going to come to pass? 
In Hebrews 13, 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Do you believe that to be true for you? That that's what God has said as a message to the Hebrews and a message to his people? That he'll never forsake us nor leave us? We can leave him. So that we may confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Is that the way we live? Confidently saying, The Lord is my helper. Joseph didn't so much concern himself With the why or the how. But who? His focus, not that he didn't see where he was. He knew he was in the dungeon. He knew he was falsely accused and unjustly imprisoned. But his focus was on who? God. Not the what, not the how, but who. And God, whose ways are higher than our ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways above our ways. And they haven't been able to measure the heavens yet. Paul says that his wisdom and knowledge is unfathomable. Unsearchable are God's ways. And we have the promise, brothers and sisters, that he'll never forsake us nor leave us. And we can confidently say that he is my helper. What can man do to me? Because our hope is in heaven. Our hope is in glory. Our hope is in the promise that God has made. Our hope is focused on the who. Not the why or the how. We see Joseph in prison. But then we also see Joseph in the palace. In Genesis 41. (laughs) Just on a practical note again, God used Joseph's hardships to train him. I'm not saying God caused all these hardships, at least in the mind of Joseph, he knew. He said, I was kidnapped and brought to Egypt, and there's no reason why they have me in prison. He didn't blame God for his circumstances. He trusted. And he was also learning. If you consider that Jacob, his dad, back in Genesis 37, asked Joseph to what? Go out and 
look for your brothers and to watch over them as they pasture uh, the flock. And Joseph goes and he's put in charge, if you will, of watching his brothers and watching the flock. So he's in charge of the pasture. Then he's brought to Egypt and made a slave to Potiphar, but then he's put in charge of Potiphar's place. He gets thrown into prison, and then he gets put in charge of the prison, and then he's let out of prison and he's put in charge of the palace. God was teaching him all along how to lead, how to delegate, how to be responsible, how to take charge. And understand all of this training that Joseph has accomplished has been through trial. Scriptures tell us that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And there are things that we can learn, brothers and sisters, from the things that we endure and suffer. But compare not. In Genesis 41, Joseph interprets the dreams that Pharaoh has had. And then Joseph recommends in verse 32, let's start there. Um, Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice. Now the dreams uh, that Pharaoh had uh, are one and the same, Joseph has. says, the cows and the grain... And he says in verse 32, Now as for the repeating of the dream, Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, It means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. How could Joseph say that? How could he be so confident? It makes you wonder if he thought about his own dreams, because his own dreams were two, and they were both one and the same. His brothers bowing down, and then his parents and his brothers bowing down. And that hadn't quickly come to pass. In verse 34, let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land. See, Joseph is already using what he's learned. And he's instructing the Pharaoh. And let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for seven years of famine will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. And this is what Pharaoh did. He asks, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there was no one so discerning and as wise as you. Now we can start to see God's plan coming to light. Joseph is about to be put into a position 
where his brothers and his family have no choice but to bow down. If you go down to verse 50, talking about not comparing where Joseph has come from to the position that he is now in. He's come from a well. He's come from betrayal. He's come from a prison. He's come from false accusation. He's come from betrayal again. To the palace. Given a signet ring. The authority of the Pharaoh on his finger. The best of all the land draped over his shoulders. Given royalty for a wife. And he has two sons. Now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Whom Azanath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Now, obviously he hadn't forgot because he's bringing them up. (laughs) But he recognizes that God was involved here. From bringing him from where he was in the well to the palace. There's really no comparing the sufferings that we endure in this life. We cannot and should not compare to the glory that is to be revealed. Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us, brothers and sisters. What awaits us we cannot imagine. He's made me forget my troubles and has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, see the fruit that God is bearing in your life through your affliction. He is making a fruitful people out of us. And soon we sing the song, right? Cheer up, my brother, sister, and live in the sunshine. We'll understand all about it, all by and by. You consider Judah and Dinah. You consider the uh, actions of Tamar and Jacob. Um, uh, Judah and Tamar. Judah and Dinah, idolatry and intermarriage. And then a famine was coming. God was using Joseph as a vessel. God's plan wasn't, the the pinnacle of God's plan wasn't Joseph. It was Jesus. And God is using Joseph as a vessel to preserve the nation of Israel. 
the nation that would give birth to the Savior. This year isn't what we had in mind. The trials that we face, the hardships that we uh, take on, they're not what we have in mind. Sometimes God's ways are not what we had in mind. But if we focus on who, understand that we can still be kind. To know that he is still deserving of praise and worship and adoration, even in the midst of our circumstances. To know that God's word is true, and it's true for me and you. Someday, if you will, we will be brought to the palace. Be encouraged. Give God the glory. Be like Joseph. God bless.